I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that when I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's game week, everyone. Welcome into the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Finally here. Kind of went quick this month did August, I thought. Um after kind of a long June and July. Uh, but, uh, yeah, got here pretty quick. Uh, here we are, South Carolina. The Gamecocks will kick it off for the first time in 2021 uh, against Eastern Illinois this Saturday night. Uh, game will be on ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus. Uh, again, like I said, if you're watching it from home uh, – and most people that, that have SEC Network Plus say that you know it's it's available for streaming uh, as long as you're you have that with your cable provider or whatever. So that's good, and hopefully that's the case. I you know I uh, what I was told was nothing specific about that, but that ESPN Plus is is fundamentally different than when you've watched SEC games in the past. Uh, this is a new thing this year where. You know, you're going to have one game a year for a lot of teams that are just streaming. They're not going to be broadcast on, you know, SEC Network alternate or whatever. But, uh, you know, and that's the case this year. But South Carolina, um, certainly, uh, you know, you'll be able to watch the game. I, I think ESPN Plus is like five ninety nine a month. So it's not going to be like some of those – Remember the $50 pay-per-views back during the Holtz era that uh, everybody had to pay for, or you had to go to a, a bar or somewhere to do it. And um, that was crazy. I lived outside of Atlanta at the time. I was in the newspaper business in like 02. Had to drive all the way down to like Fulton County. I lived in Hall County. And uh, catch the game there with some Gamecock brethren. Uh, and it was a terrible broadcast at times, except with the exception of Mike Morgan. 
of course, being uh, the play-by-play guy in some of those. Uh, that, that was good. But uh, anyway, that's what's coming up uh, this weekend. Again, you know, double, triple check that thing because nothing's worse than you got company at your house, you got steaks coming off the grill, uh, you know, you're a few drinks in, and uh, all of a sudden you were wrong about the stream. And I'm not saying anybody is. I'm just uh, – I would double and triple check it. But I'm like, you know, crazy like that. Uh, you know, um, NFL Gamecock stuff to get too quick. Uh, I'm just going to say this, you know, somebody for, um, you know, recovers the NFL was talking about Izzy McQuamu with the Cowboys. They, they said he's the Kevin Durant of the NFL because he's versatile and all that. I've called Izzy a couple of times uh, during this preseason and think he's playing at a high level, much higher than he ever did at South Carolina. Um, and I, I just, you know, I just think that's interesting, uh, you know, in my opinion, and uh, somewhat telling. Uh, and that's not a criticism on Izzy or the last coaching staff or anybody, uh, you know, personally. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, you want kind of an example of the problem around here the last few years. There you go. Guys that, we're not willing to give it their all for the Gamecocks, but once they get in a situation at the pros, they will. And that's not, you know, J.C. Horn and Javon Kinlaw. It's, it's hard to, you know, criticize their performance at South Carolina. But uh, there's a lot of other guys, too. Rashad Fenton, Keyshawn Nixon, guys that didn't do much, you know, when they were Gamecocks that have gone to the pros and, and done well. So a lot of people that continue to harp on the talent level and, you know, pretend like this is like 1999. Um, and, and look, that 99 team that Holtz didn't want a game, he didn't want a game, 0-11, uh, that team did have talent on it. So so maybe it's not 1999. I, I think the 99 offense, some people were, you know, some people, the people think this offense is going to be like 99. That's I, I can't see that happen. You know, that, that, that offense, if they scored 14 points, it was a good day. 21, it was an explosion. But, um, you know, some, some people are kind of approaching this year like that. You know, I see three and nine, two and ten predictions. And, uh, you know, and then they just, l- l- you know, lay it all on everybody that came back, you know, player-wise. Oh, Muschamp didn't recruit anybody, you know. And, and that's just – I don't believe that's the truth. Even if this team does not win a whole lot of games this year, I, I think there are individual players that are really good on the roster. Um, and when you look at the NFL results, that, that sort of plays it out. I mean, you know, DJ Wanham was an excellent player for multiple years at Carolina when he was injured in 2018. That really hurt them on defense. Really good pass rusher. Uh, but his performance with the Minnesota Vikings, I think, has been probably better than, than, than what he did at South Carolina. If you kind of look at the whole – Grand scheme of things, you know, you got Rico Dowdle who made who was going to make the Cowboys, and now he's hurt now for the year on IR. Tyson Williams may make the roster with the Ravens. You know, those guys were injured off and on just about the entire time they were at Carolina too, and they're playing well. All three of those receivers, Debo, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, now Shy's hurt, um, are going to you know make the teams play in the NFL. I mean, it, it, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, my prediction, and I could be wrong about this, you know, th- this is not one of those things that I'm standing on the table for, 
but uh, like and screaming. I'm, I'm standing on the table, but I'm not going to stand on the table and scream if that makes sense. I, I you know, I, I just don't believe that the cupboard is completely bare. Uh, and that's not sunshine and rainbows because, you know, because, you know, they may start out and go, you know, whatever, you know, not not win, lose to East Carolina, whatever the doomsday scenario is. Uh, it may not look that good, but, but that doesn't, you know, talent is not a determining factor uh, in, in every single football game, especially when it's close. I mean, you know, you go and you play Alabama, you know, a couple of years back, Gamecocks played the Tide at home. They lost 47 to 16, 47 to 23. They were down 47 16. And my Alabama friends walked away thinking Gamecocks were like an eight win team. The Alabama was just that much better. Uh, you know, South Carolina did not play bad that day, still lost by 24. Um, so there are times when that happens, but it's not, you know, every, every game is not determined based on, you know, talent, star ratings, upside. Proven players, I've heard that a bunch. Nobody's proven. Well, a lot of times you, you know, <laughs> you have guys that aren't proven in college football. That had happens because players graduate, they move on, they transfer now. Um, that That's just part of it. And there's been years where the Gamecocks have been not only less proven, uh, and I'll, I'll use the 2014 defense as an example, and I talked about how I regretted, you know, buying into what they were saying about that group, but you could look at it. You know, you've got defensive tackles, you know, you go from Kelsey Quarles, you know, to a guy, you know, guys that are 6'2", 265 uh, at tackle that year. Uh, you, you go from, you know, Clowney at, at end, uh, you know, and, and basically, you know, Devin Taylor two, three years before, and then you just go to like Chaz Sutton and that's it you know, at defensive end. You went to J.T. Surratt, and that's it on the inside. Look at the, look at Al Harris starting at safety the first game. Yeah, that was a disaster against A&M. Um, and it's just because they didn't have anybody, right? And on top of that, you had, you know, a poorly coached defensive line, uh, a questionable scheme, um, and all that. And, and you could – now, look. I'd be lying if I said I expected 700 yards by A&M in the opener. I, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, Carolina's a top-10 team. They're an 11-point favorite in this game. Uh, you know, you, one would think, you know, they could win. Uh, you know, when you heard all the talk from Spurrier about this, that, and the other. But uh, you go and, uh, you know, you look at it this year, and, and the personnel on defense is better than that group. Believe it or not, and that was that was not a good defensive team. Obviously, they in some games they scrap you know scraped it together and got it right. You know against Florida, Miami, and the bowl game, the Missouri game that they lost, they actually played really good defense until the end. But those those performances were few and far between for that football team. And you know you, you could kind of because you're kind of just hoping and wishing on a prayer. Uh, and you're not hoping and wishing on a prayer uh, for a guy like Marcellus Dial, who's, you know, six foot, 190 pounds, runs 4'4", four, four, active player, older player. You know, you're, you're talking about Al Harris, who was very undersized for a safety in the, in the Southeastern Conference. Um, you're talking about some guys like Chaz Elder back there. And, and you know, 
that was more wishing on a, you know, wishing upon a star, in my opinion, than this year. Now, is this going to be a dominant defense? I wouldn't say that. Are there questions on defense? I definitely would say that. Um, but it sets up a lot better. You know, it's not, you know, a situation that you look at and go, well, this is dire. Um, you know, there's just some question marks, some unproven guys. And we don't know what way that's going to go. But, um, you know, so, so that's the thing. And, and, I, and I know, like, some people are just, you know, after losing 19 of 27 football games, uh, for the first time, you know, this is the worst – we're in the middle or the midst of, I guess, the worst stretch of Carolina football since 98-99. Um, but it's not that bad, folks. I mean, it's not that bad. You know, two and eight last year was an ugly record. But you have to keep in mind that's an all-SEC schedule in a COVID year where you're playing with 50 sometimes, 53, whatever that was, uh, with a coaching change smack dab in the middle of it, with a defense that quit. You know, in some games, even with their more talented players. Uh, and it's still, you know, two wins in the SECs, two and six. That's a bad year, but it's not like they went two and 10 against a normal schedule. You know, the four and eight the year before, just some inexcusable losses. I mean, from Missouri to North Carolina to App State. I mean, they beat Missouri, North Carolina, and App State seven and five. You know, they hold on against Florida at eight and four with and that's a hell that would have been a hell of a year. Um, so I you know, I, I and it's not everybody. I think most people are excited about a new era and a new season and all that, but you know, there are some that, you know, uh, and I get it because you know, you don't want to trick yourself into thinking something good's gonna happen and then you're disappointed. I get it. I mean, it's good to be, I think, skeptical about things in life, but I just see some ridiculous takes. Oh, I'd be happy with four wins. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I'd be happy with four wins this year uh, because there's 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 better players than, than four, you know? And then you got the crowd with Luke Doty. And by the way, I'll pass on some news. This is, is the news and notes segment brought to you by Heritage Digital. Uh, you know, it does look like Zeb Nolan's still on track to be the starter and that Doty will be out against Eastern Illinois. Uh, Doty, you know, I would, based on what I've heard, and you never know because these injuries are tricky with with feet and stuff like that. And Doty's got to be toward 100%, I think, to play him, you know, just because he depends on his feet so much. And his footwork was really something that they tried to work on with him. Footwork in the passing game uh, was off. You, you want to know why he threw some bad passes? It's because look at his feet. You could probably look at every bad pass Doty's thrown and look at his feet while he's doing it, and, and it's all kinds of messed up. So, you know, when you're when your plant foot is injured, that's a that's an issue. But I, you know, I think he'll be back at least by Georgia. Um would not surprise me one bit to see him start in Greenville, North Carolina next week. Uh, against the East Carolina Pirates, who, by the way, play Thursday against App State uh, in Charlotte in one of those, uh, the Dukes Mayonnaise kickoff. <laughs> Dukes Mayonnaise. Lots of people love Dukes Mayonnaise, man. Um, the Dukes Mayonnaise kick, I think they have two games in Charlotte. App State, East Carolina's Thursday, and then Clubs of Georgia are Saturday. So that's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see the crowd because, you know, 
I shouldn't be in the business of getting mad at Gamecock fans, telling my audience, and, and I'm not mad about it. Uh, I just think the lack of, you know, uh, let me just put it this way. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm going to live in the, in the, in the, um, in the future. I'll be severely disappointed after some of you see that App State, East Carolina, Georgia, and Clemson have brought many more fans to Charlotte than the Gamecocks for an opener. Uh, I'd be disappointed if the Gamecock fans don't show up in 2023 when they, they're, they're going to play the Tar Heels, who probably should be still pretty good uh, by that point. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, East Carolina is a 10.5-point underdog to Appalachian State in the ballgame. Uh, you know, reading some stuff out of Greenville, North Carolina, they, you know, one of their insiders uh, who I've got a lot of respect for predicted that uh, ECU would beat the Gamecocks this year in Greenville. And uh, I think their crowd's going to be fired up. I think they're going to believe they can win it. Um, it's obviously a big deal when an American Athletic Association team, or American Athletic, I'm sorry, Athletic Conference, AAC, uh, plays an SEC team at home, especially one in your region. Um, and so, yeah, I can't, I can't rule that out. You know, I, I need to see kind of how both teams look, uh, before making even a speculative judgment on it. But that said, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Gamecocks have more talent than East Carolina. Okay. Um, and I'll talk about East Carolina a lot last week, a lot next week. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a game that certainly, you know, a lot of people scratch their head. They wonder why they're playing it. Um, I've seen a lot of people that don't have a command of the facts of that situation uh, that blame Tanner for it. Um, and Tanner was the baseball coach when this thing was decided. <laughs> and uh, it was Hyman and Waddell and, and Spurrier. Uh, and it was originally like a, I think a three, one and one, three in Columbia, one in Greenville, one in Charlotte. Uh, and they kept pushing the the Greenville game off. I think, I think it was supposed to be in 2013, uh, and then North Carolina, remember, canceled the game in Columbia or, or rescheduled it. So I think North Carolina bumped EC the road game at ECU all the way, all the way up to 2021, um, and it may have been rescheduled twice. But uh, this is finally the end of that deal. Uh, the Gamecocks and Tanner did schedule a road game at App State. Uh, 2025 was when that was scheduled. Of course, the Gamecocks got into the Chick-fil-A kickoff that year against Virginia Tech. Uh, and so it's going to be a home game against ECU, is my understanding. That road game got pushed to 2034. Uh, yeah, that's 13 years from now. So there'll be more seats at uh in Boone hopefully by then <laughs> if they end up playing it but uh just just a clarification if you're wondering why are the Gamecocks playing a road game at ECU that's why uh because this was part of a contract that they signed along Skip Holtz was at East Carolina uh, at the time because I remember the quote from Spurrier good play Skip Holtz and his boys uh, I don't think that Skip Holtz matchup ever happened um at all I think uh, Ruffin McNeil was the head coach by the time the Gamecocks uh, started actually playing it. So, but anyway, enough about ECU. That, that, that's next week. Uh, and Eastern Illinois is the opponent this week and got a chance to watch them. Um, 
you know, Gamecocks obviously have a personnel advantage and a home field advantage in this one. Should be a great crowd. Uh, but watching Eastern Illinois, kind of comparing them to other FCS teams, I, they're going to be better this year. You know, a lot of people picked them last in the Missouri Valley, all that good stuff. I, you know, they lost the game to Indiana State 26-21. It was a close one. They could have won the game had it not been for some mistakes. Uh, so I, I think this is a team that's going to be better than people think. You know, I, I've i even used the Charleston Southern comparison and said, well, you know, it's probably a lot like that, but they won't have the hurricane and stuff to deal with. I don't know. You know after watching them, probably a little bit better uh, prepared, cohesive, coached, a little more talent, uh, better quarterback than that CSU team was. Uh, in 2019 and remember that was that was Carolina's second game uh, and they always say you improve between your first and second game the most because there's no preseason in college football so you know I, I I'm gonna backtrack on the uh, on the EIU and Charleston Southern comparisons that this could very well be a situation where you know it's sloppy the Gamecocks make a ton of mistakes uh, maybe it's like a 31-13 type of ball game, uh, you know, with a backup quarterback in there and a season opener and all that. Uh, I know people will be disappointed, and I know that's going to fuel the fire of those of you that think they're going to go two and ten this year. Um, but it's an opener, and, and you have to you have to kind of understand that opening games aren't always you know fifty nine nothing debacles, and sometimes those teams that uh, have those debacle wins in the opener come out the next week when the competition gets better and they get smacked in the head because they have a false sense of security. And I'm not, you know, look, Carolina goes out there and hangs half a hundred in an opener. Great. Uh, nobody should complain. Uh, but also understand there, there is a chance that, you know, this one has a lot of mistakes, you know, it, it's an opener. Uh, like I said, and, um, and all that good stuff. Um, I think it's, 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 it's exciting in a way though, because I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, you got an offense last year that had, you know, two playmakers, primarily shy Smith and Kevin Harris, uh, sometimes Nick Muse, sometimes Deshaun Fenwick. And that was basically it. Um, obviously this year's team has, you know, with Lloyd coming back Jaheim bells in his second year, Zaquandre uh, White has improved quite a bit. Uh, Juju McDowell is added. Uh, the three starting receivers, Jalen Brooks, DeCarrie and Joyner, Josh Van, have all been, you know, fantastic this offseason as far as improving in practice and what they needed to do. There's just a lot more playmakers, uh, you know, potential playmakers. They added EJ Jenkins to the mix. Kevion Mullins is healthy. Uh, you know, other receivers, Amarian Brown is new. We'll see what he does. Xavier Leggett is back from injury or Trey Smith is back from injury. So there's a lot more options, in my opinion. Uh, and actually, not in my opinion. I think, obviously, there's more playmaking options. Uh, and then when Doty gets back, you know, obviously, South Carolina – uh, you know, Doty wasn't quite ready to go in and play those last three games, but he did. But obviously most of the season last year, really the last two years, South Carolina has not had a a running threat at quarterback. 
you know, Jake Bentley got some yards running it. He, you know, sort of a dual threat, not really. Uh, when he ran, it looked weird, but he was effective. Uh, but Luke's different. And uh, so you, you you throw a quarterback with wheels and a new system. And, I mean, you know, there's just a lot that points toward, you know, a different setup. And so I don't know that you can expect the same outcome. See what I'm saying? Uh, outcomes are never guaranteed in life or whatever else. And I, I know we all focus on it. <laughs> and um and focus on the out and that's what's important it's a bottom line business there's no question but you know when you have a different setup there's a good chance the outcome is going to be different you know um but back to eastern illinois you know and we'll break them down a little more as the week goes on I, you know i'm concerned that if it is like a 31-17 ball game People are going to go crazy, uh, just like they did about the spring game and Luke Doty. And I get it. You're passionate, and you want to see some something and to give you hope. But a win's a win. Now, it counts the same, you know, whether you win by 14 or 40. Uh, you know, about the only negative about that would be, you know, uh, you know the, the mistakes and stuff, if they make them, you know, that almost could be a teaching moment. You know, yeah, clean those up before you get into a situation where that could cost you a win. Um, you know, that's fine, you know, with the mistakes. But, you know, what, what it may do is, is you, you don't get to empty the bench and play other guys. And, you know, morale may not be all that great the next week. You know, so there we go uh, when you talk about all that. Uh, you know, looking forward to Juju McDowell. Marshawn Lloyd, you know, we had some information where, you know, today Juju's been running with the one some, probably one of the best players on the team. Uh, big play waiting to happen. Uh, Marshawn, same way, you know, so you're, you're excited about seeing those guys if you like explosive plays. You know, those guys are going to be good. And I mentioned Z White. Now, I think South Carolina, in my opinion, I don't think I'm giving away any state secrets here, will have – a lot of formations where you, you have two backs. Um, in other words, you, you can see something where they, they motion White or McDowell or Lloyd or whoever into the slot and throw them ball or don't throw them the ball or, or whatever. Uh, but I think they're going to have a lot of, you know, two backs on the field a good bit this year, multiple tight ends on the field a good bit this year, that kind of thing. But looking forward to seeing them. I mean, everybody's very, very excited uh, internally about McDowell and Lloyd. And a guy that can just break it and go, both of those guys. Um, so that's going to be good, along with White in a game situation. You know, he was – he and Jaheim Bell were probably the stars of the spring game, if you think about it. But, you know, want to see him against comp an actual competition and, and that kind of thing. And certainly think things can work out well. Uh, a little recruiting note, Brian Thomas Jr. from uh, the Orlando area. In Florida, edge player, six, two and a half, six, three, 225. Uh, going to visit officially this weekend. Going to commit on Monday. It's South Carolina, West Virginia. Gamecocks are trending. You know, here, here's the thing about this guy. I like his bloodlines, NFL dad. Uh, love his pass rushing ability naturally. 
you know, off the edge. Going to have to develop, though, gain some weight. Uh, if he can get up to about 260, 6'3", 260, something like that, and keep his pass rushing ability, I think he's a guy that could surprise. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Gamecocks are in it with a lot of other edge guys, too. James Pierce, Jay Sean Barham. Uh, and they'll take all those cats. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to ever run out of edge players. <laughs> and uh, and they're, they're probably not going to, but, but Brian Thomas Jr. would be, you know, that type of guy. Um, all right, season tickets. And this is a topic that's come up. By the way, our schedule this week, and we, we may know the starting quarterback uh, for the Eastern Illinois game later today, but I'll get into it tomorrow. At least by tomorrow, it'll be Beamer's weekly – Beamer and the Players' weekly press conference. Um, that's the absolute latest. I think they'll say something about it um, if they choose to say something about it. I mean, so Muschamp would announce it the week of. A lot of times, Spurrier, uh, we remember 2011 when Garcia and Shaw were battling and Nobody knew who he was going to start, and he got on his call-in show, and Connor Shaw started against East Carolina and Charlotte that year. Uh, was moving the team, had a fumble. Garcia comes in. Gamecocks were down 17-0. Garcia comes in, leads the victory, leads the Gamecocks to victory, 56-37. Uh, started the next week at Georgia, another wild one, 45-42. Um, and then eventually, you know, Stephen unfortunately lost his job. Uh, lost to Auburn 16-13, uh, and then Shaw went the rest of the way. So you, you never know. And, I, and I'll say this, too, for those that are out there that have a skewed view of the quarterback situation, that, that they don't have the facts. You know, they're just kind of going off, well, Jason Brown threw beautiful balls in the fourth quarter of the spring game. Um, so, therefore, he's better than Luke Doty or whatever. Well, yeah, that's – that's just not reality. That said, uh, you know, and I pointed this out today. Maybe I'm not trying to give you guys out there any kind of undue hope or lend any sort of validity to what you've been saying about the quarterback situation because it's been wrong. However, there are situations throughout college football every single year where the guy that starts the opener or the guy that's supposed to be the number one ends up not being, be it because of injury, performance, whatever. I mean – uh, and the and then the backup guy or the guy you thought was backup comes in and does well, uh, and and you know you can look at Florida a couple of years ago with Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. Um, that year I mentioned about the Gamecocks, you know Garcia goes out and ends up getting dismissed from the team, and unfortunately, and uh, Connor comes in and starts a record-setting career, you know, and all that. Brandon Wilds came in for Marcus Lattimore that year and, and performed well. But I'm talking quarterbacks, though. That's running backs a different story. But uh, yeah, you, you just never know. You never know. And, and, and you know, and reports say and contacts say it looks like Nolan's going to get the start. But I still can't rule out Jason Brown because Jason Brown's had outstanding practices. And if the game goes about like it should, Brown's going to get a lot of reps. Now, I can't wait to see if he's out there throwing dimes against the Eastern Illinois second team, you know, how people are going to react. 
uh, especially if Luke Doty comes back and throws one or two incompletions, which seems to be the standard uh, he's held to uh, compared to others. But uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Jason Brown play. I told you guys, I like Jason Brown. I, I think, you know, I, I like Jason Brown. I think Zeb is a guy that's, uh, you know, obviously got experience and, I, I like his game. I know what gets him, what's gotten him in trouble in the past, performance-wise, and uh, and it's it's been kind of mental. I mean, people people all the time they don't want to hear, you know, oh, he knows the system the best, or he makes the best decisions. Quarterback is all about decision making. You know, the the best ones make great decisions. So that's that's a fact of playing the position. Um, and, and Zeb's going to have to work on that if he's going to be successful at South Carolina this year. You know, there can't be turnovers and, and things like that, picks, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, you know, with either one of those guys or Luke Doty, I, I can't promise a mistake-free football game from that position because it's just, you know, even with Doty, you have to think there's, there's going to be some, you know, growing pains and all that. But uh, so th- that's the deal with the quarterbacks. We should hear about that. All right, season tickets. So Gamecocks are around 40,000, I read somewhere, which is on the low end. I think the highest number they've sold was the last, if you go 2014, is 54,000. Uh, you know, and you get the same group. Oh, well, that's what you get when you go two and eight or four and eight. Maybe, you know, maybe. Uh, but, you know, that kind of mindset drives me a little nuts because – people that, that have it, they're just ignoring the fact there's a new staff, ignoring it. Uh, and then some of those people have the, the the Ray Tanner hate syndrome where anything Ray Tanner does, they're going to automatically dislike because they blame him for every win and loss, like he's coaching every team. Um, and look, I, you know, Ray Tanner is not above criticism if you criticize him, you know, for his job. You know, if Shane Beamer is not a good hire, which, you know, we don't know that right now, uh, you know, and honestly, the he's never been an offensive or defensive coordinator thing is, you know, the worst take of the year. Uh, for those of you that are out there screaming that, and I doubt you are, but, uh, you know, if Shane Beamer ends up not being a good hire, Mark Kingston doesn't get the baseball program elevated, I mean, it may be time to sit there and go, hey, look, you know, this, this has been, you know, it's been four hires here. Uh, now, I can't can't really blame Tanner for Holbrook because uh, I don't care what anybody says. Let, let's say Ray Tanner after 2012 had walked into the sunset and just simply retired or gone and taken another baseball job. Eric Hyman was hiring Chad Holbrook, folks. Newsflash. There would have been no interviews, no national search, nothing. And that's Eric Hyman, Mike McGee, you know, whoever. They're hired. If Mike McGee had not hired Steve Spurrier, been able to hire Steve Spurrier, uh, Skip Holtz would have probably been the next coach, you know, just to be honest. Uh, and that was after five and seven, five and seven, and six and five, not after three straight trips to the College World Series championship, two national championships, and a runner up. So it's hard to, the whole Brook thing's hard to blame. But, you know, he has to own Kingston and Muschamp and Beamer, you know. And 
So those are important, and and it's important that Beamer and Kingston work out. I think, but you know the blame Ray Tanner crowd that they don't think that there's any new head coach. You know, it's just the same old, same old. Um, and folks, Will Muschamp's not there anymore. So you know, win or law, lose, right or wrong, it's a new plan and a new era. Uh, you know, and 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 so maybe some people that don't believe that or they're just put off by it, uh, didn't get season tickets this year. I think it's much more about COVID still lingering um, and people staying away. And then just the normal, you know, TV versus in-person thing. Because, um, look, you know, we all enjoy going to football games. There's nothing like it tailgating, walking into the stadium, 2001, Sandstorm, all that. Guess we all love going to the Gamecock games. I have since I was a kid. I get fired up to this day. I'm going to one uh, at the end of September. And I'm as fired up as I've ever been, you know, to see old friends and all that. But I'll tell you this, if I, as I've gotten older, and uh, I think when, when you talk about being older and crotchety, you know, it, sometimes it's not the best experience, you know. Uh, and it's much more comfortable to be at home with bathrooms and <laughs> the refrigerator and grill and all that. I mean, sometimes it's just better. Um, and so I think that with, with the people that are older, and I'm 44, I'm not ancient. You know, I think that's part of it. And I think younger people, you know, they could be entertained looking at their phone, <laughs> watching it on TV. Um, you know, so I hope – you know, I hope that people don't overreact to that. And, you know, because you, you, people are stupid these days. The, the, sometimes the people that write these articles, you know, they'll write something like fan base displeased with Beamer already for because of low season ticket sales. And they don't really dig into the why. And, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, Gamecock affiliated outlets here. It's more like your Saturday down south of the world and, and not all the time, you know, like, look, uh, my boy, Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast uh, works either worked for or still works for Saturday down south. He does. He does a hell of a job. You know, I mean, it's not everybody, but some of these aggregators, you know, it, it's it's it is clickbait, you know, and, and, and maybe maybe take Saturday down south out of it because, I, 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 you know. I like the owners of that website and all that. I mean, I just meant the spun. How about the spun? You know, the spun's been uh, really, really going hard clickbait lately because they, they've put out every story that happens. College football world reacts to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll click on it. It's something I've read 15 times. So I can see something like that. Gamecock fans react to Beamer higher by buying less season tickets. Da, 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 da. Um, and we'll see how it turns out. Right. You know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors when it comes to season ticket sales at any program these days, you know, so there we go. Uh, speaking of media and things like that, the Gasparilla bowl in Tampa, uh, which the Gamecocks were supposed to play in last year. Uh, has come up with a has come up as a I don't know a, not many people are predicting the game cost to go to a bowl, but if there is one, it's that one, the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, 
And this year, it's before Christmas, Thursday, December 23rd. Uh, remember last year, the Gamecocks were supposed to go the, the day after Christmas and play UAB. Um, so if there is a prediction, it's for that one. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would personally, if, if they go to the Gasparilla Bowl, that means they're six and six. I'd probably, unless now, I think Mississippi State went to that bowl a few years back at five and seven because of the grades or Gamecocks do have like a really good graduation rate and things like that. So maybe they do. But anyway, uh, you know, so that's the projection out there. Look, if they make it to a bowl and win six games this year, I think that's a good season. Uh, I don't think it's a miracle, quite frankly, but I think it's a good season. Um, get that, get it back on track, get the, the minimum standard met because this, this program does have a minimum standard now and it's to have a winning season and go to a bowl period. Uh, that's been established since 2000 and at least 2005. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's out there and people are like, ah, you know, columns about Clemson and Carolina in the state talk about Clemson going to Indianapolis for the championship and Carolina at Grasparilla bowl. And, you know, I think trying to draw those unfair comparisons sucks, but you know, I don't get paid to be the sports editor of any of those publications. So that's it. All right. So what am I do here? Saturday down South did have an article and um, it did say, there are five biggest concerns ranked in order for the Gamecocks. Now, those are these are not mine, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree, disagree, whatever. I think everything is valid that was written. I just don't know about the order. Um, so, and some of them aren't concerns. Some of them are like keys to the season. So, I don't know. There may have been like a, a disconnect there between you know, what they started out to write and what they didn't. But I, I thought these were interesting topics and certainly worth a discussion. So five would be wide receiver production. And look, man, I, I think on offense, that's the key because if your receivers are producing, that means the quarterback's doing something right, you know. Um, and, and that's, you know, when you look at the offense this year – you see the running backs and the offensive line and you got tight ends and, you know, you're like, well, that's receivers, a big question mark. Uh, thus quarterback is too. Um, so I, I think that would be my number one concern for the offense wide receiver production, because if they, if your receivers are producing quarterbacking is going to take care of itself. Um, number four would be secondary inexperience. That would probably be my number two concern. Um. And it's not that they don't have talent back there. It's just guys that haven't played or played at this level. Um, young players, you, you have transfers, you have JUCO guys uh, back there trying to piece it all together. Cameron Smith is a guy that's, you know, got some good experience at the end of last year. You, you know, you, you have to, you know, you, you have to sort of circle that spot until – they get out there and they start playing. I mean, nobody really expected Darius Rush to start at corner, did you? Well, he's starting. Rush and Dial. Uh, and then at safety, you've got Ty Tyrese Ross, R.J. Roderick, Jalen Foster. Two of those three will start. And so then, um, you know, at the nickel, is it going to be maybe Jamar Brown? Is it going to be Carlin Splatel? David Spalding's been banged up. You know, so you got a lot of questions. That would be my number two concern. 
Number three, special teams upgrade. And I don't know if this would be a concern or not. Uh, maybe a key to the season. I think they got to be good on special teams. But they talked about the return game being question mark. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I, as is the case with everything, it is until it isn't. But there's potential there with Juju McDowell at the very least. You know, that's not even counting Amari and Brown maybe on punts, you know, whoever gets in there. They have some options, you know. You know, kickoff returns to me have never been a big concern because DeCarry and Joyner did that relatively well last year. There weren't that many kickoff or punt returns. Punt has always been a little more of a concern because I think during the Muschamp era, you really had kind of a – a journeyman type of situation. You know, first year there were like four or five of them. Second year, Lamont's had that that gig. Um, you know, over Fenton and Jam Williams and, and guys like that. And then Brian Edwards weirdly took it and was weirdly good at returning punts when he got a chance. Some key penalties there, but but I, but I, I think this group. I, I don't know. I think they may be able to identify their punt returners a little better. We'll see who gets it ultimately. Um, and then the two kickers do return. Parker White returns. Joseph Charlton returns. Don't sleep on Mitch Jeter on long field goals and kickoffs. I, I think he's had a pretty good run of it. And then Pete Limbo, the new special teams coordinator, is considered one of the best in college football. Now let me say this. Pete Limbo can still be considered one of the, the best in college football, Right. And the Gamecocks could give up some things on special teams because depth means so much on special teams. Now, do I think do I think the Gamecocks are going to struggle in that department? No. But, again, you know, <laughs> uh, just because Beamer is the, Beamer is the coach doesn't mean they're going to look like Virginia Tech did on special teams or Florida under Urban Meyer with all those great players on special teams or Alabama who – can roll out talented guys that are backups to play special teams. Um, you know, that, that, or that's just not, you know, that's not really what you got to judge Pete Limbo on this year, but you know, I can sit here and preach all I want, but uh, some people are going to go coaching, 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 coaching every time something bad happens. And that's fine. Um, so, so that's not really a concern, and I certainly wouldn't put that over secondary or wide receivers. Uh, the number two concern is the running game and Kevin Harris because he's been hurt. I'm sorry, that's not a concern for me at all. Uh, and I'm one too that I will always lean toward hey, Kevin Harris rushed for over a thousand yards against an SEC schedule last year, he's a proven player. The rest of these guys haven't played a whole lot. You know, how can you say, well, I'm going to say it. Uh, that's one of the – that's probably the least concern I have on the whole team, the running backs, even with Harris not there. Uh, and then the number one is quarterback. Now, look, you could make a a big, you know, a, a – a rule of thumb with any football team and say quarterback's the number one concern because it's the most important position on the field. You have to have good play at that spot where your offense isn't going that far. Um, 
Is it the number one concern? No, I'd probably have it third behind receiver and secondary. But, uh, you know, uh, that's the whole deal there. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I disagree that special teams in the run game would l- rank anywhere on my list of concerns. Uh, but quarterback would probably be third. So I would also have mindset because, look, Luke Day, Derek Moore, Connor Shaw, all the off-the-field mindset guys that they have, uh, strength coaches, off-season coaches, Shane Beamer himself, all 10 assistants, they've all been rowing in the same direction mentally, positive reinforcement, uh, big energy, confidence, learning to cope and face adversity. Uh, But you can do all that all you want, and you can have your team – you're right there, over-prepared in that department. But the bottom line is this team, this program has lost 19 of 27 games, and a lot of these guys were there for it. You know, a lot of these guys don't know how to win. They've lost games every way imaginable. Uh, and so I think getting out there, getting off to a good start, even though it could be sloppy, learning about winning and the things it takes to win uh, – that's an important part of it, and that's a concern for me just because it hasn't been happening. You can be talented all you want. You have great coaching, but but some teams just don't, you know, like, ah, oh, well, you know, something bad happened. It's over. Let's give up. Time to pack it in. We're just the Gamecocks, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and coaches do have an ability to say, look, you know, we don't need this. We can't let this set in or whatever. Uh, but it's a concern, you know, when when you try to turn a program around. And, you know, I talked about 1999 earlier. And, you know, 1999 to 2000, South Carolina did add some players, but it was a lot of the same guys. Phil Petty was, you know, uh, healthy finally. Uh, Brian Scott came into his own, Jamel Kelly, you know, the, the receivers that year. Uh, Skip Holtz ran a spread as opposed to lose 1991 offense. They ran a 99. So there were some differences. But by and large, that Gamecock team, you know, went, underwent like the Lou Holtz mindset transformation over the summer. I mean, you can ask uh, Eric Kimry, South Carolina's tight ends coach, about that. Uh, and that was the difference between zero and eight, the mindset the confidence uh, that team dropped a 27, 17 game at Alabama. Uh, Kimry started it because Phil Petty was hurt. Uh, that Alabama team finished three and eight that year. So it wasn't the best team. They should have game kind should have won. Uh, and Carolina got right back up off the mat uh, and, and, and beat our, I think Arkansas by 20 points the next week, Arkansas was a big nemesis. Uh, so the game guys, you know, they were able to – it may have been – actually, it may have been at Vanderbilt. But anyway, the Gamecocks, you know, that year you know, learned how to kind of get up off the mat. I mean, you got – that loss to Clemson with the push-off, you know, was devastating. They turned back around. Derek Watson gets suspended for the bowl. Ryan Brewer steps up and runs for 119 yards, and they beat the Buckeyes in the, in the bowl game. You know, that kind of thing. They were resilient. Uh, they lost their share of games for sure, but they were resilient. And uh, the, the mental work that went into that offseason was really helpful. And this offseason, mentally, with the mental work, uh, has been very similar 
at South Carolina. Now, uh, you know, th- th- does that mean that when push comes, comes to shove? I mean, you know, that was that was 21 years ago. You know, the mindset of a young person then, because I was a young, you know, in college then, the mindset then was a little different than it is now. So you just don't know. But, you know, mindset uh, would be the number four concern uh, with me, uh, in my opinion. And then, you know, number five, uh, quite frankly, is um, the two coordinators. And I love what they do on paper. And I love – I think Clayton White, you know, what he did at Western Kentucky was outstanding. Uh, if you kind of look at the rhythm of play calls for Marcus Satterfield at Temple and not just focus on, you know, the the, the stats uh, under Matt Rule with a really good defense that year, uh, and they kind of look at some of the concepts that they have coming in. I love that. But, like I said, on paper – Kurt Roper and Brian McClendon had good offenses. You know, you look at the three OCs under Muschamp, Mike Bobo was probably the best in-game play caller. Um, And and look, you can disagree with Bobo's style all you want, but he was a hell of a play caller. I mean, just dialing them up play to play. Uh, But on paper, if I looked at, you know, Roper's plan and McClendon's plan and Bobo's plan, probably choose one of the other two just on paper without seeing them call plays. And so of the three, you know, those two had great plans on paper. So does Marcus Satterfield, but, but we don't, we just won't know until we get in the game. And then the spring game was very, very vanilla on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, so I think these guys are going to be fine. I'm, I'm actually, when I look at them and sort of philosophically what they do, I understand why Beamer hired both of them, but you just never know. So that would be my fifth concern uh, if I were doing five right now. Again, kickoff 7 p.m. Uh, at williams Bryce Stadium, Saturday night, ESPN Plus. Uh, again, double-check that before you uh, – before you. Um, you know, b- b- before you get on uh, right before kickoff and it's not there. <laughs> just do it. I'm just being paranoid. I'm being paranoid for you guys, man, because like I said, I know how it is. Um, it's time for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Uh, need more mailbag questions this week? You guys have been kind of light after I emptied the mailbag last week. Uh, there's two ways you can get into the I Help Consulting Mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Uh, follow that Twitter account. Also follow Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram, or you can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. So if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. And that's where I help consulting can help. I help is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So whether you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, or anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens at I help 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? 
843-372-5713, ihelpconsulting.com. Remember to tell them you heard about it on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast from JC. Uh, that just helps us get some feedback in. Also, remember, these guys, I help, can just save you money across the board. Heritage Digital, for one low fee per month, is going to make sure you don't have network issues like your internet uh, system going down, that kind of thing. Uh, I know a lot of businesses have, you know, systems that they rely on that they have to work on every day and then they're crashing and starting and stopping uh, and all that. You know, someone very close to me is an insurance underwriter uh, and her program crashes about twice every week, sometimes daily. uh, And that's like a fortune 500 company she works for. So um, look, believe me, internet and uh, network uh, smoothness, uh, which is what Heritage can help you with, Matt Odom there, um, uh, is huge. And then across the board, you folks that use credit cards and stuff like that, you know, you need to call Daniel. So please patronize these Gamecock-owned and operated businesses. We have another, another sponsor coming in for our predictions segment. Uh, coming up that we're very, very excited about. I'll go ahead and throw her information out there. If you're in the upstate, um, Cindy, uh, Cindy Searfoss has been uh, in the upstate for over 35 years and is a real estate agent and can help you with all of your needs. She's going to be sponsoring. Um, she's Spartanburg-based, hometown, Daniel Morgan Avenue. I know the Berg well. Uh, she can help you if you're buying a house, selling a house, relocating to the area, 864-414-5271, 864-414-5271. little sneak peek here. Uh, Cindy is going to be with Coldwell Banker Kane uh, sponsoring the Gamecock Prediction segment um, for the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. But I Help Consulting is sponsoring the mailbag, and so here we go. All right, first one comes in off the Twitter line from A. Riddle. says, hi, JC. Wanted to ask what, if anything, you've heard recently about Omega Blake. I know he's young, but in pictures, this guy looks as much of the part as some of the others. Also, have heard of his athletic, uh, athleticism. Chances are he factors in the two deep midseason. I haven't heard much about him other than he's athletic as far as coming in and – you know, making anything happen. He is big, 6'3", 182. I do think he's got a skill set. Some people want to move him to defensive back already. I'm not willing to do, to do that right now because, you know, he's a young receiver with a chance. Uh, again, Cox need as many of those as possible. Uh, but I just have not heard anything, like, at all. Like, okay, so the freshman – that are there, uh, and I'll go ahead and address this. So, as far as the freshmen go, uh, and this is high school guys coming out of 2021. Um, you know, TJ Sanders at defensive line has a bright future. So does Nick Barrett. Not sure how much those guys will play. Barrett's probably ahead at D tackle right now. Um, I think he's probably one of the steals of the class. Ladarian Craig at corner has made some noise. He's third team right now, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, again, I'm just talking about 
true freshmen, and there are only 10 of them. Colby Fields has made a few plays here and there early on, probably going to need to get bigger. Um, you know, Colton Gauthier at quarterback has obviously been talked about, as most quarterbacks are. Again, bright future guy, probably not quite ready this year. Uh, and then Juju McDowell, obviously, uh, is the guy that uh, – as far as the freshmen go, he's the guy that's really taken off. Um, and he's one of the best players on the team already. Uh, so there you go. 5'9", 177, cat quick, lightning fast. You can get in the ball in a lot of different ways. Uh, Juju McDowell, there's your there's your star. But I just – I you know, I, and I haven't heard anything negative about Omega Blake. I just – I haven't heard anything to indicate that he's making a step up or whatever. And maybe he is. I mean, you know, maybe you'll see him. Uh, oh, I see that the Gamecocks recruiting class went to 79th on 24-7 sports. Wow. Somebody must have had a transfer or something. Anyway, but uh, that's the deal there. Uh, you know, as far as his chances to factor in the two deep midseason, you never know. You never know. But um, right now, you know, if things go according to plan – Probably not, but uh, <laughs> you never know uh, as far as pl- according to plan goes. And I mentioned this on the on thebigspur.com today, kind of a fun discussion to have with everybody. You know, you look and uh, you look and, you know, over the years, and th- this didn't happen under Muschamp a whole lot uh, other than guys getting healthy and coming back. Um but under Spurrier a lot, you know, you'd have a guy that maybe wasn't a factor uh, in the beginning. And then, um, you know, midseason, he starts to come on. Alshon Jeffrey was like that. Alshon took him – I think that Kentucky game in 09 was his coming out party. It ended up being great. Sidney Rice did not play a ton. I think he was – not suspended, but maybe had an ankle or something against uh, Central Florida in Spurrier's first game, but he wasn't uh, projected to start in that one either. He really got in the game against Georgia that next week, I think caught a touchdown, and then all of a sudden people were like, hey, this guy, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> and Because to that point, Spurrier had not had any of the like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, jump ball guys at Florida. They were all – you know, a lot more like Bruce Ellington and A. Sanders and Nick Jones and Pharaoh Cooper and those guys, uh, more so than Alshon and, and Sydney. Um, so, so sometimes guys will come on after the first game, you know, especially at that spot. But uh, and I can't rule it out. But right now, I just I haven't heard anything to indicate Omega Blake is making that kind of push. Now, could he? Absolutely. Um, so there you go with that one. And thanks so much. Riddle for the uh, for the tweet. We go to the inbox now. Tristan, appreciate the email, Tristan. If all of our key players reach their full potential, Doty has a breakout year. Wide receivers play; they should catch the ball. Defense makes a big step up. What's our ceiling? You know, if everything goes right, eight wins. Now everything would have to go right. You know, I, you know there are three games on the schedule, Clemson, Texas A&M, and Georgia, that are obviously Gamecocks are going to be at a massive talent disadvantage. There are other games like Florida, to a certain extent, where the Gamecocks will be at a talent disadvantage. 
Kentucky, probably a slight advantage to Kentucky talent-wise. I mean, if you're talking about proven player-wise, Kentucky has more. Uh, maybe Missouri, I don't know. You know, it's on the road, though. So, you know, eight and four, that would be it, because that means you're losing one of the games where, you know, you have a fighting chance as far as like Auburn, obviously, I think has more talent than the Gamecocks, especially on defense. Uh, in, in terms, not their defense versus, the, but especially like when you look at their, how their season is setting up, they're going to be a defensive run the ball team. And they have Tank Biggs, B Gamecocks have backs too. But uh, I think overall, you, you, you'd probably defer to the Auburn roster over the Gamecock roster. But uh, yeah, eight wins. Oh, shoot. That would be an outstanding debut for the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer. Uh, because that means you're not really getting upset. You, you beat the teams you're supposed to, or the teams you have a chance to beat. You know, maybe you scare the heck out of Texas A&M or Clemson or Georgia, too. Uh, but that, that to me, if and I don't like putting ceilings or floors on, on, on seasons, but it, since you asked me, I'm going to answer it. So ceiling would, I think, eight if everything goes well. All the things you said, breakout year for Doty, receivers playing well, catching the ball, defense taking a big step, that kind of thing. Tristan says, I find it so hard to believe we can't have a huge year. I just see so much talent on the team we haven't tapped into yet. With the new offense, I could just see us uh, being a very different, dangerous team. I think people got to keep that in mind, too. This this team will be different. The, The old staff's gone. You know, it's a new day, a new era. And the plans are different. Uh, there's a lot of different players. You know, there's a lot of guys that weren't there last year. That I mean, you know, Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson both got hurt in the opener against Tennessee. Johnson played sparingly for the rest of the year. Green was out for the last nine games. You know, Sherrod was a pretty relatively big part of the 2019 defense. You know, that's just one example. You know, when you're – when you're going to battle and you know, you're playing Kentucky on the road at the end of the year and too many people completely miss this, uh, maybe even including me. I mean, cause I kind of, you know, and by that time we we're all in uh, Beamer was, you know, the news broke about Beamer that night. Um, Daryl Ware, Gilbert Edmond were out there at linebacker, you know, <laughs> Gilbert Edmonds, a, 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 a edge, Daryl Ware is a walk-on, who they like, who's probably going to play some this year. Probably at the when they use a Sam linebacker, I could see him out there. But, um, I mean, you know, nothing against those guys, but, you know, you've got a freshman walk-on and a guy that's supposed to be a defensive end. Your chances of succeeding are probably not that good. Um, you know, facing a Kentucky team that – on offense, really didn't have a whole lot of personnel deficiencies. I think if you're looking for a silver lining in that game, though, it's Kevin Harris being able to run the ball. That's the second straight year the Gamecocks have really gotten a lot of rushing yards against Kentucky's defense. And if you look back through the, the history of the series and the, 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 the five-game winning streak, most of the time Kentucky outrushed Carolina dramatically bad, like 200 to 42, things like that. Um a lot of times, the team that runs the ball best wins the game, especially if they're at home. Um, and and so, you know, that's a silver lining. That's the only good thing about that game. 
was for the second straight year. After years of frustration trying to run the ball against the Wildcats, the Gamecocks, you know, were able to do it. Now, 2019 had a different scheme than 2020, and 2021 will have a different scheme running the ball-wise. So so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, that's it. So, yeah, could this be a, v- a very different and a dangerous team? Yeah, because everybody's underestimating them. Um, to get to eight or so, and that's regular season, you know, everything's going to have to go perfectly and they're going to have to stay healthy overall. Can't afford injuries because the depth's just still not there. And the depth really has never been there. You know, you, you go look at the two deep in the Spurrier era, and I think the tendency around Carolina sometimes is to make heroes out of these guys just because they were on, on those teams. Uh, but, but they were just decent college football players. You know, none, none of those guys made the NFL. But you look at the two deep, especially on defense, uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like Spurrier was just running out all this depth. And I was told by somebody on that staff, you know, that was there for a while. It's like, look, we knew our top 33 were as good as anybody. But once you got beyond that, you know, you had to really fanatically keep those guys healthy and Spurrier did. Um, so, you know, that's a key to, to the season. Uh, but, you know, glad you, you're taking a positive outlook on this, Tristan. Uh, there is nothing wrong with believing as a fan before the season starts. Uh, you know, it is a new era. That's what drives me crazy about people that we all heard all this before and all, well, you know, and you're like, <laughs> you didn't hear all this. This is a different group, you know. Um, but uh, nothing wrong with taking a positive outlook at all. Um, and, and, right, you know, you thread the needle like that and things go break a certain way, yeah, that can happen. All right. Derek, JC America, has been waiting all summer, and the time has finally arrived. The Sherby Awards. <laughs> we used to have – when I was on with Josh Pate, when he had Football Nightly down south in out of Columbus, Georgia – before he went to 24-7, we had the Sherbys, I think, uh, awards. So, uh, preseason edition. Um, offensive and defensive MVP, assistant coach of the year, newcomer of the year, most improved player, and what's going to be the game of the year. Um, offensive MVP, I'll go with Luke Doty. Uh, defensive MVP, Red, no. I'm sorry, Red's drinking out of the turtle pond. Red, stop. The indoor turtle habitat. And the turtle's in there. I've got it, got her in there because we were cleaning out her outdoor deal. Stop drinking the turtle water, buddy. Sorry about that, Red. Didn't interrupt by barking today, at least. <laughs> uh, you know, offensive MVP, I'm going with Doty. Defensive MVP, I'm going to go with Zach Pickens. Um. And I, I don't. I'm not really a huge fan. Things like this, so most of the time I'm wrong. But uh, offensive MVP, I'm going with Doty. And oh, just for the record, I went with Colin Hill last year as offensive MVP. So go ahead and tattoo me about that. Uh, defensive MVP, I'm going with Pickens, uh, just because that guy has had a great off season. We all know that his ceiling is unlimited. Um, you combine those two things, I think he's going to have a big year. Um, although, you know, will Kingsley and Igbare or J.J. and Igbare and 
Jordan Birch and Aaron Sterling have more sacks probably, but I think Zach Piggins is going to make a big difference. Uh, most improved player, man, I'm going to go ahead and go with Josh Van. Uh, I'm going to not be skeptical. <laughs> I should be, and I may be wrong. If I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and believe because if he can catch everything like he's been doing in practice and contribute at a, you know, in a second or third best receiver type of way, uh, then he's the most improved. Because honestly, we, we, nobody's had high expectations, you know, for him uh, in quite some time. Um, and the game of the year. The game of the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say the game of the year will be. I believe it's October 9th. Um, let me just look that up real quick. So I've, I've got the schedule pretty much down. I'm just getting. I get. Oh yeah, October 9th at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. Game of the year, right there. Um, Gamecocks have a really really good chance of at least being three and two going into that one. You hope for four and one. Tennessee is a very important game each and every year. I say that. People don't believe me because the Vols haven't been that good. And I'm like, it's important. And when you lose it, it is, isn't it? When you get the unexpected L to the Vols, that's not good if you're the Gamecocks or even expected. Uh, same with them. I think they feel about South Carolina. And read today, some of the radio people said it was a – their game with the Gamecocks was a gimme win. Um, in Knoxville, I don't blame them for being confident, but, man, let's just look and see uh, how the Vols could be shaping up. Okay, so they've got <laughs> – and in, and I feel bad for Tennessee people sometimes because every year I look at their schedule and I see this. But, you know, th- their contention, the, the people that are like, you know, oh, it's not going to be that bad at Tennessee. Their, their condition is the schedule's favorable, and it is. Uh, and they open Thursday night, so you can catch them at 8 Eastern on SEC Network against Bowling Green and get a look at the new offense. And, you know, Tion Evans from Hartsville, I think will be their starting running back. Um, and Bowling Green was god-awful last year. Dino Babers and Urban Meyer are not walking through that door. Uh, and then they play Pitt at noon in Knoxville, same time the game cuts kick off against DCU the next weekend. Now, Pitt, solid but not spectacular. That's that's their deal under Narduzzi. You know, it's an evenly matched game on paper. You know, Tennessee could win it, uh, you know, if Pitt's skill can't – if Pitt's defense can't match up with what Tennessee's trying to do offensively, go fast, fast, fast – They'll run it up, and then they play Tennessee Tech. So that's they could be three and zero. But watch this: so they go at Florida, which has owned them for a long time, at Missouri, which has aspirations of being great, uh, and they lost to Tennessee in Knoxville last year. Uh, so you know they're going to be fired up out in Columbia, Missouri. Then they got the Gamecocks, and they got Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin coming to town, and then they go at Alabama. So the Gamecocks kind of are like right there in the middle. Now, this could work both ways. You drop the other four if you're Tennessee. You know, that that game against Carolina is for probably a bowl because South Alabama and Vandy close it out. 
But after the after the Bama deal, you got Halloween weekend off, which is sad because the Gamecocks and Vols usually play Halloween weekend, and they're not this year. Uh, but then you go at Kentucky, and then Georgia comes into Neyland Stadium uh, two weeks before the end of the season. And, you know, Georgia's going to be pretty good, and they've owned Tennessee pretty well. And so if you're looking for a bowl the first year of the Hypel era, that Gamecock game is big. Um, and I'll remind everybody, Carolina's won up there three times. They have not gotten 20 points in any of those. They won 16 to 15 in 05. They won 14 to 3 in 2011. And they won 15 to 9 in 2017. Blake Mitchell, Connor Shaw, Jake Bentley, three quarterbacks for Carolina that have won at Neyland Stadium. So, and we all remember that uh, the 2013 game didn't go that well. 15, the Gamecocks had a great rally and then couldn't close it at the end. 19 was a debacle in the second half. You go back to 09, the one game Lane Kiffin coached against Steve Spurrier. That was a debacle. 07, Carolina comes back from 21 down, blows it at the end. I mean, look, there's just a lot of misery up there, right? And so, yeah, if you're Tennessee, you know, do I think it's a layup? No, for the Vols. Do I think they should be confident? Yes. Do I think South Carolina could make a statement to go there and win? Yes. And so that would be my game of the year, Tennessee. So there you go. Uh, MVP, Doty, MVP, Pickens, most improved van, game of the year, Tennessee. I'll go ahead and give a, a newcomer of the year, Juju McDowell. Um, the freshman. Uh, that said, there's a lot of newcomers that are going to play big roles for South Carolina this year. Marcellus Dial comes to mind on defense, and Jordan Strawn, and you know, you you look on uh, offense, and Amarian Brown. You know, EJ Jenkins could be a newcomer that really does a lot of great things. Uh, so. You know, but I, right now, you know, the talk about Juju McDowell coming out of preseason camp, because sometimes you do get like a freshman's causing a buzz or whatever. Uh, it, it's as universal as Jace, the talk about J.C. Horn when he was a freshman. Um, just like everybody, J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn, J.C. And the same thing, Juju McDowell, Juju McDowell, that kind of thing. So I'd be dumb if I didn't name him. The other ones could be stupid, like ridiculous. You may look back on them and tell me how wrong I am. And that's fine, too. All right, folks, that's the end of the first uh, episode here on Game Week. Gamecocks at Eastern Illinois coming up this weekend. Great college football games across the board as well. Uh my media schedule this week is 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 right there. You got uh, I'm going to be a lot on the Gamecocks podcast uh, today. If you're a patron of Keith's, also if you're a patron of Keith's, I'll be in the town hall tomorrow night. Uh, we'll have episodes of Inside the Gamecocks prediction show on Thursday. Also, uh, something new. I'll have my normal JB and Goldwater segment on Wednesday, but the big old cock pregame show or preview show. Myself, JB, Goldwater, Michael, former Gamecock Michael Flint, uh, Fridays at 1 before Carolina plays. So 1 p.m. Friday, sponsored by Motley Rice. Uh, really fired up about being a part of that, that quick-hitting preview show uh, with my friends JB and Goldwater and then Michael Flint going in there. Uh, I, I am uh, 
beyond ecstatic that we were able to put that together. Um, so uh, our listeners here at ITG, you'll get a final prediction on Thursday. Uh, not going to rule out a Friday episode either. Just the prediction standard uh, will be Thursday. And that's um, we got a sponsor for Gamecock Predictions now. That'll be Thursday. Uh, and then 1 p.m. Friday, the big old cock preview. And, uh, you know, that'll be that. Don't forget, on thebigspur.com, it's a free article. Tony Morell's Five Keys to Victory, the iconic piece where he gives a prediction that will be up on Fridays. And we'll have coverage of the press conferences and all that good stuff uh, as we go along and along this week. Probably J.C. and Morgan uh, to preview the first week of college football as well. Uh, at the very least, we'll have a review. Mike and I, we tend to lean more towards reviewing and giving people what we think and then slightly previewing. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure we haven't had an episode in a couple of weeks. Had a guest fall out on us last week. So uh, look for a JC and Morgan as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Uh, I am JC Sherbert. I'll be with you all week long. Uh, be sure to keep those mailbag questions coming in and uh, all that good stuff. And we'll holla at you soon.